It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Six thirty, Chad. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at six on Six Thirty, Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. Now, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Oilers and Eskimos. Six thirty, Chad. It's 7.07 in the p.m. Thanks a lot for tuning in. We are 24 hours away from kickoff. Boy, I'm curious to see what's going to happen tomorrow night. Eskimos and Alouettes right here on 6.30. Chet, Kevin Carius from Global Television is in studio. Hey, Kevin, good to see you again, buddy. Yeah, good to see you too, Reed. Good to be in again. Yeah, so uh, how was your time off? We didn't do this last week. We were both off work. We took a one-week vacation from each other. Yeah, that was long already. enough for me, big guy. <laughs> yeah, I missed you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, did you do anything special? Just the standard golf. Uh, you know, probably got four or five, six rounds in. Oh, that's great. Half dozen or so. And, uh, you know, sat up and had a, enjoyed, just enjoyed the time off. That's what a, what a guy has to do. Did your golf game improve playing more frequently? It did for a while. And then I actually had a quick lesson and then it regressed a lot. <laughs> Uh-oh. Well, you know what? Uh, I mean, you and I have golfed together uh, Twice? Yeah, once, I guess. Or one and a half, yeah. I guess. One, well, no, I saw you. We, we teed off yeah. in front of each other. Yes, we both hit it into the bush during your golf tournament. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and then we golfed together with uh, with Grant Fewer a couple weeks ago. Uh, so I saw you play. You saw me play, and we're both wildly inconsistent. As you know, I took a lesson from – I've taken two lessons from Taylor Sinski out at the quarry. Mm-hmm. I golfed at the quarry today. And it's such a nice track, by the way. And today was uh, like – now, my expectations are, I mean, I'm not sitting there to go and shoot 80. I'm trying to break 100 more right. often than not. And today, the way I hit the ball, I thought, oh, my goodness. Thank heavens I took the lessons. It was coming to get. But right after the lesson, first two or three rounds, I got worse. Because you're trying to incorporate everything, and you're not remembering, and it's not natural. So don't get discouraged. No, you just, I end up thinking too much. Right. You know. You just let that natural talent go. <laughs> just turn yourself loose. <laughs> but that that's the great feeling is now things I was thinking about, I'm stepping up to the ball and and doing them, and I'm just worried about a couple of little details that I that I still struggle with. And, hey, for sure, four or five shots I hit today were terrible shots. But they didn't happen back-to-back, and it didn't turn into one shot on a one bad hole turned into four or five holes. I had a couple bad holes. Got it together, knew knew what I had to do, bounced back on the net. I couldn't putt today. That was the problem. Well, it's a tough game. As Kramer said to Jerry, <laughs> the ball's just sitting there, Jerry, and I can't hit it. I only I hit know. one that went way out <laughs> so, there. At our, at our Ched tournament, the Santa's Anonymous one, I was golfing with a, uh, a gentleman who was like a really straight hitter, but every once in a while, you know, like all of us, he would chunk one, and he kept saying, 
I hit the big ball before I hit the little ball. Mm-hmm. That's what Jack Nicholas used uh, to say. That was too, a good yeah. one, too. Uh, all right. You can text 630 It is 780-496-0063. Kevin's here until 8. We're going to go through a lot. Some more on the Eskimos. We'll talk about the Olympics. Uh, Darcy Park from the Edmonton Wildcats is uh, going to join us on the phone at 730. Their season starts uh, this weekend. They had an exhibition game in Lloydminster last weekend, and they're doing a little different thing. The Prairie Conference is playing the BC Conference some games. I don't think the Wildcats are, but that's a bit of a, a bit of a change. We were talking before you came in, Kevin, about the uh, Saskatchewan Rough Riders and their infinite supply of players, apparently. <laughs> Bo Levi Mitchell tweeted this out that, oh yeah, these guys they signed on the practice roster, they were probably all living in town already. Uh, so Chris Jones commented on that, and he had this to say about Bo Levi Mitchell's uh, tweet. Oh, it's a little surprising, quite honestly. But again, you you have to ask Huff and, and Dave as, as to how they want their players uh, talking about the opposing team in social media. So so give them a call. Let's see if I reached out to you in terms of uh, that, that tweet and whatnot. Uh, I, I don't. I'm not even certain about what tweet you're talking about. I've not seen it. I don't do. Twitter and all that stuff. I mean, uh, I, I don't know. Have they reached out to you in terms of uh, having, having those tryouts after practice? Yes, we've talked about that at length. And what do they say? Uh, that's up. To, you, once you call the CFL and ask them what they say. But like, I just—he is the master of deflection. The, the master of deflection. And, and part of me doesn't mind it because he was here, and you know, I'm not on the Eskimos beat, but you and Morley and Dave and other guys would have dealt with it on a daily basis. If it distracts from him trying to win games, he just does, doesn't talk about it. He's Teflon. Right. <laughs> He's just like Don Matthews. I mean, they're almost identical from decades apart. When you had to deal with Don Matthews and how he tried to get around things and avoid certain questions, certain um, accusations, he had what he wanted to say, and that was it. And Chris Jones is almost identical. Yeah, and I mean, he basically, that, that last question was, well, what has the league told you about it? He starts to answer it, and then he's just like, well, ask, ask the league, even though he answered it earlier, because he basically said, yeah, you can have, you can try out guys after practice. If, you, if a guy's not signed to a contract, you can't put him in your drills with your team. So here, here I'll just summarize this if people are just tuning in and, and, and miss this. Um, the, you know, Darren Davis has been reporting this for Three Down Nation. The Riders apparently have about 95 guys around. Some on the roster, the practice roster, some on the injured list. And let's face it, every CFL team has guys on the injured list that aren't that injured or maybe not injured at all. The potential issue here is, are the riders keeping guys around, paying them, introducing them to their playbook, and they're not on the injured list on the practice roster or on the real roster? So that kind of circumvents the salary cap. And, and here's here's the thing, Kevin. I'll, I'll let you jump in. I'll finish mm-hmm. my thought. If I, if, if I try out for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, say I'm a defensive back, and a couple days after practice I go out and they work me against other guys and they put me up in a hotel for a couple nights, fair enough, and they say, okay, Reed, uh, you look good, but you know, you're know you not better than anybody we have right now. Thanks for coming. We got your number. Um, you were not going to sign you. And I, I might say, okay, great. Uh, I'm going to go try out for the Calgary Stampeders tomorrow. And if they say, hold on, hold on, hold on. Here's a few hundred dollars a week. Go stay in the hotel and just keep keep it all in the hush-hush. That's To me, that's where it becomes a, it, it crosses into that re- really, really gray area. Well, that's not gray. That's illegal. Well, right. That, that okay. specifically is cheating, yes. Um, to what the league rules are. Right. I would, I would say this to all of that. 
it would be very similar to what Ed Hervey said several months ago about tampering <laughs> right. and about that. Every team does it. Um, I would imagine every team in the CFL does this to a certain extent, some teams more than others. And I would imagine the riders, what they have been not accused of, but what's been kind of let out out there, um, probably more so than others. And that's why a few people like the Stampeders organization and others have said something and made it out there, let it out there. Uh, I'm sure the Eskimos are fully aware of what the riders do. I'm sure the riders are fully aware of what the Eskimos do. And almost every team, it's a small league, man. Yep. I mean, you know. And it's hard knows. to get players sometimes and hard yeah. to keep players. Everyone knows what everyone's doing. And especially at this time of the year when you're looking in about two weeks or so when you got NFL cutdowns and you're going to try to save a guy for a few more weeks until you can grab another guy from the NFL. It's kind of that area of the season, that time of the season where you want to protect yourself as a team. Yeah. It's interesting. And now I, I do think, and apparently the CFL has said, okay, we're aware of something. They're going to investigate it. So, okay, Kevin, you you mean you just referenced the Hervey comment that he got fined mm-hmm. for. Everybody tampers. We do it. Everybody does it. Everybody knows it. That's pretty close to exactly what he said. I don't, I don't have it in front of me. So if the riders are doing this, do you have an issue with it, or do you only have an issue with it, with it if they're doing excessively? Like if it's two guys they keep in town and pay, okay. But if it's maybe 20 or 30, like their allegations are, is that like the league has to step in? If a lot of these players end up to be impact players, then I could see it. But if they were impact players right now, they'd be on the roster. These players would be playing. So how good these players are, who knows? Uh, the same can be said with all the practice roster players on every team. Darrell Walker last you know, year. Exactly. So <laughs> if that's the case, then there is a problem with it. Well, just as an aside, we should point out, it, it, this was the the game last year Darrell Walker finally went in. The mm-hmm. Eskimos, he's now played one season in but the CFL. If you could look at, uh, in a bigger picture, on practice rosters in the NFL, there are teams constantly, constantly going over and scouting these players sure, and making sure because you can pluck them off of there. So I think it's a problem for the CFL and I think they have to address it quickly. Uh, Mike has texted and he says, what would the consequences be if uh, this is discovered to be true? Well, Mike, I think the Riders would be fined, which they already have been for not playing enough Canadians in a game, what, two or three weeks ago. And here's what I hope the consequences would be. The same thing that came out of all the tampering talk at the end of last season is that the CFL will sit down and say we need an actual rule and Mm -hmm. we need to figure out how we're going to police it. I mean, it's one thing to say, oh, silly us, we never had a rule for this. We can't do anything. But if if it because, I mean, to me, that's what I hope the consequence, if they get fined, they get fined if they've done something that's deemed to be shady. But then the league says, needs to say, okay, we need to man up so this doesn't come up again. And that's on Orange. Jeffrey Orge has right. to get this and sweep it, uh, not sweep it on the car, but he's got to fix it right now and make sure that all teams are abiding by the same rules. And that's as simple as that. Yeah, I mean, I just, it was an interesting debate last season with, with the tampering stuff. Uh, and and the people who, because I thought, you know, I think comp, I, I think compensation needed to be investigated for Jones and Moss and all that kind of stuff. But, but the, you know, Reed, this has been going on for years and years, especially, I shouldn't say especially in Saskatchewan. When Roy Shivers was in Saskatchewan, he was bringing in guys from all over the place and putting them up. 
you know, so it's been going on. It's not like this is no, something I, I new. Underst- it's just, I understand that. It's just the fact here that the, the Stampeders and, you know, I guess Bo Levi Mitchell in particular, I guess, has made light of it and... Now it's up to the CFL to address it. And they, and they have to have a swift action. They kind of do it quicker than they did with the tampering. I love uh, Bo Levi's pretty good on Twitter, actually, if people don't follow him. He's pretty opinionated. It was funny. Ryder fans started going at him. I think I read the tweet last night. A Ryder fan called Bo Levi Mitchell a, a flash in the pan. And uh, But you know what? That's right if it's a very bright flash in a large pan. <laughs> that lasts a long time. <laughs> then believe I Mitchell is a flash in the pan. Hey, you want to talk about some Olympic stuff? Sure, sounds good. Seven eighteen, Carrie and I right back. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader six thirty. Chad. All right. Blue Jays doing well, 5-0 up on Tampa Bay, bottom of the sixth. Uh, Baltimore plays Oakland a little bit later on. Those two teams are still tied for first in the American League East. The prospects are underway in Medicine Hat, game five of their series. And how about it? Prospects jump out to a 1-0 lead in the top of the first. Your scoreboard presented by Crystal Glass for all your glass needs. You can call 310-GLASS today. My name is Reed Wilkins, Kevin Carius from Global Television in studio until... 8 o'clock tonight. I can also tell you that the uh, Canadian women's basketball team, a very tough team from Senegal going up against Canada today. Canada survives 68-58 to go to 3-0. and uh, Each Plouffe sister got uh, two points today. Catherine had four rebounds. Michelle had one. They are uh, The Plouffe's are depth players, but very important depth players, and everybody I shouldn't say uh, everybody because Michelle didn't play the last game, but everybody gets significant minutes on that Canadian team. There's no, there, there aren't any garbage time players. Everybody has to. And they chip move them in. around a fair bit. Oh. Kia Nurse plays a ton, though. Sure. Uh, Lang plays a lot, yeah. you know. But uh, yeah, Plouffe sisters. I mean, they are depth players, and uh, when I think they play a lot of tougher minutes. They sometimes, do. you know, they're uh, end of game uh, defensively. You know, certain subs in so. Uh, a lot of tough work under the boards for both of them because they're big and strong. What? Uh, so the Olympics are on. Is there is there a non-traditional? I mean, we see basketball all the time, and 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 some. Well, I guess we don't see all the sports. But is, is there one of the non-traditional sports you enjoy watching a bit more? As far as like getting away from track and field and yeah, swimming, because sure, that'd be one of the high-profile ones. Yeah, not not really in the summer, to be no? honest with you. No, not in the summer, but uh, all the. In the winter, I like all the half pipe and all that stuff, like yeah. all the crazy uh, jumps and everything like that. That's fun to watch. But in the summer, there isn't a non-traditional one that really, really piques my interest. I mean, I got into the rugby sevens, obviously, mm-hmm. which I'd never, I hadn't seen a lot of before. And can't play. It helps that Canada was good in it. Yeah, you knew they had a shot. If at Canada them wasn't, in if they'd that lost game, fifty-five nothing in the first no game. No one's watching that. Uh, women's one hundred meter freestyle semi-final. Penny Alexiak, what a story she's been. 52.72, one one-hundredth of a second behind Australian Kate Campbell, who set an Olympic record. So Alexiak doing well and uh, moving on to the final. Well, if she swims free. that well in the final, she's going to pick should up get another a medal. medal. Should get a medal. She's amazing. 16, yeah. right? Absolutely. So, I mean, we're talking two, maybe three Olympics after this. She could still be a thrill. I mean, I, you <laughs> I know, know what I, you I, mean. Yeah. You know, but you know what I mean. When yeah. you're 16, you, you keep going. You would think she'd be I mean, swimming Phelps at 20. Keeps, Phelps keeps going. Yeah. I hope she's still swimming at, at, uh, at 20. Um, Phelps can get another medal, by the way, tonight. I, I saw, I, I didn't save the tweet. He's, 
his all-time medal total would put him 38th if he were his own country yeah, or 34th a, or something like it's that. It's amazing. He kind of went off the chart there yesterday with his crazy celebration and all that. I think now this is the one where it's he, he, he knows it's just all for him. One. And it's yeah. all now he's just like, I'm just making it all about me. Who's yeah. going to stop me? Yeah, so, I mean, he's it's he wins. Here's the interesting thing, and it's hard to argue because you see things, well, he's the greatest Olympian ever. Swimming is different. Now, he's good in all the disciplines because he also he does the medleys mm-hmm. and he's on the relay team, so clearly he's outstanding. But if you're, let's just pick a hockey player for ease of discussion. If you're Sidney Crosby, you can only win one medal per tournament. I mean, Sidney Crosby could get 15 goals in seven games or however yeah. many they play, and he can only win one gold medal. So it's hard, it, it's hard to compare the well, different sports to say who's the greatest Olympian. I, I, I don't know. That's why I think it's such a... You know, the team sports in the Olympics, it's tougher for me to get involved in them, to be honest with you. Oh, really? Yep. Because think about all the traditional Olympic events, or most of them. Like, take away the relays. Now it's basically one-on-one. You know, take if you take away all the relays in all the track and all the, and everything else, basically, you're looking at a lot of one-on-one. Don't you think? See, I like the team events because I like following tournaments mm-hmm. and, and shorter tournaments and the format and then who's going to get matched up with who in the quarterfinals and all that kind of stuff. Not that I discount the yeah. individual events, but I, but I like following the women's soccer and the, the men's V-ball and all, all that stuff. I was thinking about uh, weightlifting. Like, what do weightlifters do for training? Ah, I just lifted weights. <laughs> you know, you say to a hockey player, what'd you do in the, in the off-season? Well, I lifted weights. I played hockey. Say yeah. to a weightlifter, what'd you do in the off-season? I just kept Probably lifting good. weights. That's all I did. Lifted a few tractors up and whatever <laughs> else. If you're from Belarus. That, that, that would be a great question. I don't know if I've ever had a weightlifter on Inside Sports. I'm sure you've profiled weightlifters oh, in your career. Oh, for sure, yeah. What's the strangest thing you've ever lifted for training? Oh. That's, that's what I'd want to ask a weightlifter. I bet someone would say, oh, my mom or my dad yeah. or something <laughs> yeah, like that. Other people. You know? yeah. my, my whole family challenged yeah. me to lift them at a wedding. That's right. the t- yeah, they were all sitting on a couch, so we decided to lift them up. <laughs> uh, I was saying to the weightlifting, though, I mean, they always look like they're so incredibly, Dave and I were watching yesterday, I said they look so incredibly uncomfortable. But well, I you said would they, too if you had 700 but, pounds over your head. But I'm also thinking they've been training. Shouldn't they know they should lift that weight when they're trying it? Well, that's how hard it is, though. <laughs> okay. uh, that is, uh, I, I now, no disrespect, obviously, to the people of the weightlifting community who are listening. I, I don't find the weightlifting overly entertaining to watch, mm-hmm. personally. I I don't mind it. I'm fine with it. Like I'm, I don't like all the judged events. Um, it has to be a time. So the diving, even you wouldn't like. No, diving does nothing for me. I hate synchronized diving. I'd, I'd, if they're going to do synchronized diving, let's do synchronized javelin throw then. <laughs> at least you could measure the distance. Exactly. Plus the synchronicity. Yeah, exactly. If they can get them off right at the same time. If Kevin Carius <laughs> ran the Olympics. Yeah. All right. Uh, here's what we're going to do. Oh, the beach volleyball is good. But I'm not it's just okay. talking about the. Yeah. I love. I love it's watching okay. volleyball. But I like. Timed and distance events. Where right. You know what you're running up against. You know what the the clock is. You know what the the distance is. How many meters, etc. Whatever you're jumping, whatever throwing. Kevin Carries is going to stick around. We'll talk some Eskimos and we'll talk some junior football as well because it's getting going for the Wildcats and the Huskies. Wildcats coach uh, Darcy Park is going to join us over the phone after the 7:30 news. This is Inside Sports on 6:30. Chet, talk to you in a few minutes.
You're listening to 630 Ched Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. All right. You like Kiss? I saw Gene Simmons and Kiss in Regina in 1981. Wow. That was... uh, Pretty much part of their during their peak, eh? Late seventies into the um, early eighties, yeah. or was it more late seventies when they were really, really big? Probably you're right in there, eighty one. That was yeah. probably as good as it gets right in there. A little bit before in the late seventies, they were hot. They've been, they're still hot. They are. You they, know, think about it. They're great showmen. Yeah. Which I mean, that's that's the thing. Obviously, you have to be good at your craft, yeah. but then what are you going to do to stand out? And what I love about Kiss is no one saw them without the makeup. For a long time. For a long time. Like, they could have probably been walking around in public when they were the and biggest they were. band in the world. They were. No one knew. They were. That was the big thing. Where'd you see them in Regina? At the Agridome. No, well, how big was that? Like, that ah, full 5, size? 5,600 maybe? 5,800. Oh, okay. They still the stopped in Regina, eh? Oh, yeah. There's a famous line I'll tell you later. but uh, We can't say it no, on the radio? Oh, no, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> Gene Simmons at his best. Oh, saying it to the crowd. Yeah, he just. Oh, thought, I, yeah. I could probably imagine some of the words that oh, were involved. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, might have been eighty-two. I can't remember. It was a long while. So long you were what? Uh, Fifteen or so. The high school age. Per- yeah. Perfect age to go. Snuck out of the house and went. <laughs> <laughs> Took an hour and a half. Yeah, were drive. you in Melville? Yeah. Well, I'll just hop in with someone that had their license. Maybe he didn't even have it. Who knows what was going on back there? Hey. Do we have uh, Darcy, or are we having trouble connecting with him, Matthew? Trouble connecting him. No answer on his phone. All right. I'll, uh, I'll shoot him a text, and uh, we'll see if we can get him on, because I want to get him on here before their uh, season open up, opens up on the weekend. Reed Wilkins, Kevin Carius with you inside sports on 630 Ched. We'll also hear from Chris Morris later on tonight, the head coach of the U of A Golden Bears football team, and uh, we'll have some of uh, Jason Moss's comments as the Eskimos get ready to take on the Montreal Alouettes. Justin Sorensen is going to play at center. And, you know, the old, good old old line, you never know how valuable they are till one guy goes down. Uh, we'll, we'll see how much of their struggles were based on Sorensen being out of the lineup and, and the shuffling that went along with it. I think a lot. Yeah. More than people um, would realize. Uh, your center is so critical and, and, you know, making sure everything's aligned, making sure the plays are called properly, um, making sure just... It, you know, I think it's a it's a real sense too for Mike Riley. Even though Mike has said, you know, when when Sorensen went down, that you know he's been here with with uh, Simeon Rotier for a long, long time, and Simeon's been around a long time. But you get that comfort level with a guy, and I think that's important for for quarterback to center. Yeah, little details too. I think Rotier did a decent job, but you know there might have been two or three snaps a game too, where you notice O'Reilly was reaching for him, and the quarterback mm-hmm. doesn't want to have to look for the ball. He wants to know it's it's coming right well, here, and I keep my eyes down the field. It's a comfort level. Yeah. Um, interesting. Where are you at? And I mean, as you know, Kevin, I get I get the extremes, and I was saying earlier in the show yesterday, I even had Riley being criticized for being too emotional. <laughs> Uh, you know, showing up as teammates, showing too much frustration. And then I get the other people on the other end saying, well, whatever, they won the Grey Cup last year. They'll just flip a switch and, and turn it around. Where are you in between on, on that spectrum? Well, I think people overreact to whatever is happening. I mean, think about think about some of the best video of anyone overreacting uh, as a quarterback would have been Jason Moss when he went in for Ricky Ray and whatever year I can't even think now won the West Final two thousand five yeah two thousand five and 
just berating guys on the sidelines, going absolutely nuts. But what happened? Oh, they won the game. So you've got them fired up. Everything's fine. Yeah. So. Well, that's that's the point I always make when you're when you're a winning franchise. Everything you do is right. And let's face it, the Eskimos, and this is how it works, the Eskimos bought themselves a lot of goodwill by winning the Grey Cup last year. Because if they had gone 9-9 nine and nine last year and lost the West semifinal, and now we're 2-4, and four, it'd be, well, great, here we go again. Another team that's not good enough. Uh, again, though, I, I, I really am one of those guys that divides the season in thirds. So here we are, that we're third in. And then not only that, but to me, the season doesn't really start to Labor Day anyway. So, I mean, you do what you can. You make sure you, you look at your personnel. Can this guy be the guy you think he's going to be in the last nine games? Do we need to find someone else? Then you make those adjustments. And that's why this probably three-game stretch heading to Labor Day is a pivotal time. Sure. You know, you want to win the games, and they have a, the schedules there. Come on. I mean, they their schedule's only going to get tougher for that, you know, six-week period after, and then, then again with no home games. So, But here's where the real evaluation happens in my mind, these three games before Labor Day. Well, I think if they win two of these three and get to four and five, that's not a great wet record, but then if you look at the thirds, they go. They went two and one in their first three, bombed out the zero and yeah. three in the last three. So then you start to say, okay, maybe they recovered. At least they beat, as you said, Montreal is is not good. Saskatchewan, I think, is very competitive. I just don't think they have the horses right now, regardless of how many horses <laughs> they have in the stable. <laughs> um, and then I don't know what to expect from that Toronto game next Saturday. I mean, Ray's, Ray's hurt. He's not going to mm-hmm. play again this week, though his backup did did pretty well. And Milanovic teams are always very well coached. So that, that one's hard for me yeah, to get a read But for on. me, tomorrow, you just have to make sure everything's in order tomorrow. Play a hard 60-minute game. No more of this uh, half not coming out to start well, or yeah. finishing or not playing well the last half. Play a hard 60-minute effort. Don't lay your foot off the gas or and don't start slow. Like This shows everyone who you want to be and where you are right now and what you can be. Are you going to be doing anything from the sidelines tomorrow? Tomorrow I'm actually off. I'm in a golf tournament tomorrow. Oh, nice. Because yeah. I was saying if you were on the sidelines, maybe you'd see if Durant Carter would shove you. <laughs> I'd be in for that, sure. The Alouettes should have a, a fundraiser in the off season. Get shoved by Deron Carter. You know, you donate five bucks to a charity, and Carter bumps you. They they probably won't be like you know do that. In, in the ferry. You know, throw the apple at a yeah, guy exactly. or whatever. And, you, get, you know, get shoved by Deron dunk, Carter. Dunk tank. <laughs> yeah, instead of the duck, the yeah. dunk tank, they could have the Deron tank. Yeah. He's good though. Oh, he's, he's, good he's player, the one yeah. guy that but worries again, me. Got to be focused. He he loses his focus too many times, and there's a lot of players like that. He could be a lot better than what he is. Well, here's the thing. With some of the high-end CFL guys, for a lot of them, there's a reason they're not in the NFL. And it, it, sometimes it's one inch or ten pounds, or or sometimes it's they had issues off the field or there's something between the ears, right? And you, Carter got a look uh, last year and didn't stick around. That's He's every, as physically gifted as some of the mid-range receivers in the NFL. That's every sport, though. Sure. Some guys are there and just a little bit off. Some guys are there, and there's a reason for that. It's an intangible. It's a variable that the people that are champions, the people that are better than those other people have. And it's a number of things. It's instinct. It's wherewithal. It's maturity. It's 
um, being a good team guy, doing a, there's literally dozens of adjectives you can throw in there and that's why those guys succeed and other guys end up not being where they would like to be. Well, and that's why I was surprised, and, and look, I don't want to make it sound like it's a lot of fans, but some people yesterday were questioning Riley a little bit because I was like, okay, he, first of all, he's not perfect. Let's establish that. But I've, I think I've made it clear that I think he is a good quarterback. I think he is a good leader, and I've always praised him for the way he deals with mistakes, that they don't linger. That doesn't mean he doesn't get frustrated by the mistakes. It just means to me that he's able to put them behind them. Now, a lot of negative plays have been mounting for the Eskimos' offense. I would expect a guy at some point to look a little annoyed and come off the field and toss his helmet or go up to an old lineman and say, what the heck are you doing? Outside of Calgary, I would hazard to guess that every every team in the league, if they said, uh, would you like to have Mike Riley at quarterback? They would say yes right now. Uh, Kalaros is better than Riley. Yeah. Desmond healthy. Not I really believe that. Okay, whatever. I, I'll take Riley. But we're sp- I know I'm splitting hairs take, there. Yeah, fair enough. You take uh, Bo Levi over Riley? No, I said outside of Calgary. Outside of Calgary, every other team in the CFL, if they said, if if they had oh, the so you're saying the Stamps are comfortable with Stamps? Bo Levi. Yeah, I'm yeah, leaving yeah. Bo. I mean, that if you want to put up the only re- the only thing that matters is winning, right? Right. L- look at Bo Levi Mitchell's winning Wins percentage. almost all the time. There you go. <laughs> right. His numbers are higher than Warren Moon's and everyone else that have the numbers that are through the roof, and that's what's, what it's all about. All right. Darcy Park is the head coach of the Edmonton Wildcats. He joins us now. Darcy, you're on with uh, Reed Wilkins and Kevin Carius from Global tonight. How are you doing? I'm excellent. Uh, sorry for being a little bit late here, but uh, it's the uh, joys of being a junior football coach in technology. Just making the crowd wait. We were talking about Kiss earlier on the show, so you're just like Gene Simmons making everybody wait, right? <laughs> I've never been uh, compared to Gene Simmons. I think I might have to take it. Hey, uh, how was that exhibition game you guys played in my old stomping grounds in Lloydminster on the weekend? You know what? It was awesome. We weren't really sure what to expect, but uh, just the way the schedule worked out where we didn't play Regina until the last week of our season, and having to play the Huskies three times, we thought, uh, why not give Regina a call and see if they wanted to meet us some way halfway. We looked at another other couple spots, and Lloyd Minister uh, stepped up, and, and it was really fantastic. We had a great crowd. Uh, you know, both teams were, were there for the right reason to just get through uh, all of our players and get a bunch of stuff on film live, and and uh, all the money raised went to Lloyd Minister Minor Football, so I think it was a win-win, and hopefully something we can do again. Oh, for sure, no question. Uh, how's it going, Dars? Uh, just... Uh... You know, where would you assess and think the state of junior football is in the city? Not just with your program, and I don't want to talk about the Huskies, but just in total, the the whole state of junior football in Edmonton. How how would you assess that right now? Um, well, I mean, the easiest way is when you open up the paper on on Monday morning and you look at the uh, uh, the standings in our league. You're going to say that it's struggling, but. Honestly, uh, I don't think it's, uh, you know, in terms of the quality of players we have coming through, it's as high as it's ever been. Uh, one of the issues that, you know, I'll speak for the Wildcats that we have is, is you know, we pride ourselves on developing players, and we'll get a young player in, and he'll play his first and second year, and he'll have three or four, uh, you know, CIS schools looking at him to come in and play right away for them. And unfortunately, that means that we drop back to having another first or second year player, so our, what, we're, what we're really trying to focus on is uh, is getting those players to stay and, uh, you know, making the Wildcats a viable option for the full five years. 
When I got here in Edmonton in 98, uh, Darcy, Mike McLean was running the Huskies and they had a powerhouse program. When uh, when Gary Durchek took over the Wildcats uh, in whatever, 2002 or three, it really turned around the Wildcats program. Now, you worked how many, two, three years with Gary? Uh, no. I as, as, but as an assistant, though? Uh, Ten. Ten? Okay, so ten with Gary. I just thought you were an assistant for maybe two or three years, but... Yeah, yeah we, uh, like, so uh, I was, or my, I first started with Wildcats in 99, and okay. we kind of, uh, we were on the top of our cycle. Mike came in, and, and you're right around uh, 2000, and, and really started to turn the Huskies around. Uh, Gary came in in about 2002, and again, it took us about, uh, well, until 2005 to, to, to get our program right. going, and, and really we were you know, we were pretty competitive and strong and, and playing in playoff games right up until probably 2011, 2010. And again, we again we had a really good uh, crop of young guys, and, uh, you know, they're all over the CIS right now. I think we had 23 players with junior eligibility last year mm-hmm. playing in the CIS. And again, that's one of the things. But one of the, one of the things that Mike and, and Gary, well, I'll speak for what Gary did is, uh, again, like what we talked about earlier, is, you know, Gary held everyone accountable and, and being a wildcat meant something, and again, that's what we're trying to do. Uh, I think sometimes, you know, uh, sometimes I'll, I'll, I'll not fight hard enough to keep a kid when I when I think another year junior might benefit him, and and not really show off all the positives about being an Edmonton Wildcat. And you know, I talked to Gary about that a lot, just about building that culture, and and it really starts in the locker room. With you know, back in uh, about 2005, we had a group of players that included both both King brothers and yeah. Jeff Heck with the Sam Peters, Gord Hines. Uh, Terrace Palawata, all those guys played in the CFL, and those guys wanted to stay together. So, you know, they stayed together for years three, four, and five, and that's really what carried us through that. And then we had another group behind them. Again, they all stuck it out together, and that's something that uh, we're trying to build. I think we've got it here. If you look at our third, third and fourth year kids, it's a group of kids that have been here through some hard times, and they're really looking forward to to being able to go in and and uh, compete with the big boys in our league. So it's a real cyclical thing for you, isn't it? Well, you wish you wouldn't. Like, you have all these, uh, like, plans to, you know, try and stagger your roster where you're going to have, you know, 10 fifth years, 10 fourth year, 10, 10 third year, and all down the list. But, again, the problem is is we lose a second year who, who played significant time. Uh, that's a big hole that we can't fill. And then we bring in another high-quality first-year kid. But as you've seen watching Junior all the time is that I don't care how good that kid is. If he's going against a 22-year-old with experience, he's going to be in a, in a tough battle. So, that's the idea is you know we're in a position now where you know a lot of our first year guys who we brought in aren't going to be on the field as starters right away but they're going to be our number six db or our number four linebacker our our five receiver that comes in so he's going to be a complimentary part and be able to kind of dip his toes in the junior junior football waters Darcy Park joining us tonight at Inside Sports, head coach of the uh, Edmonton Wildcats. Uh, a season starting up on the weekend. You're going to play the Calgary Colts, Colts Saturday at 7 at Clark Field. I know you got to be pretty excited about some of the preseason scouting for some of your players because there's an inaugural top 50 list for all the junior players in Canada, and, and some of your guys showing pretty well there. Yeah, you know what? It, it, it is nice. I, I'm not sure how any of these lists ever get put together. I'm, I'm sure there's... Uh, there's lots of debate around. We were pretty happy where we had four. I think that was the third high, highest among uh, all the teams in the CJFL. And I know that Calgary only had one. And to be honest with you, Calgary's probably got about seven or eight guys who deserve to be on that list. So I'm pretty sure that that list just fired up them a little bit for our opening game. So, But it's exciting. We had uh, Armand Katamba, who was a rookie running back 
with us. He, he, he made the list at 47. And Tristan Schollenkamper, who was going into his third year as a receiver, uh, he was in uh, number 30. And then we had two rookie defensive backs and Jaden Dalkey at 23. And, and uh, the CGFL Rookie of the Year, Tony Savchuk, our free safety, was number six. So, I mean, it's nice, I guess, bragging rights in the, in the locker room. The guys can, can chirp each other with that. But when, you, when we get on the field, it really doesn't mean anything. But, you know, I think the initiative by the CGFL was good. Any time that we can bring recognition to our athletes is, is something we sorely need, and, and that's something I think we can look at as a positive. I guess it's been a couple of years uh, since your dad passed away, uh, Darcy. How much uh, did he mean to the program? And, I mean, um, like they say, when you lose someone really close, you never get over it. You just get kind of used to it. But, I mean, I know the players did a stuff, some stuff. We did a story on Global with the beards and everything was during the Ice Bucket Challenge and everything like that. But just kind of touch on how he, uh, what he meant to the program and actually shaping you as, as, a, as a football player and a coach. Yeah, you know what, I feel very fortunate. There's not a lot of uh, kids that get to spend so much time with their dad. Again, when I started here, uh, he was just uh, coming to games, supporting the team that I was coaching for, and then he gradually worked his way into the GM. And by the time uh, he had passed away, he was, you know, a life member in the CGFL and an integral part in, in the Canadian Junior Football League. So, I mean, I, I'm proud. You know, I'm proud of the contributions that he made. And and yeah, there are lots of days where you'd, you'd wish you'd, you'd miss a smile. One of the things that he brought to our club was he brought a lot of perspective in terms of it is just a game, and, and he really believed that junior football was a, was about developing young men. And uh, that, that's what basically started that year, started our in the community program. And, and because of that, the last few years, we've been recognized nationally with uh, players of ours winning uh, the Past Commissioner's Award, which, which again honors uh, players in their CGFL uh, communities giving back so I think that's definitely his legacy we were very fortunate last year to uh, bring in Bo Jereniak and I'm sure you know Bo, Bo's been around uh, high school football for 40 years and junior football so he's come in and, and there's nothing like having uh, you know I won't call Bo old but a mature gentleman around to give you some perspective who's been through all the battles and and uh, you know what he's he's really kind of filled that part where, where maybe as coaches we get a little bit too uh, hunkered down in the X's and O's and which player is producing and which player is struggling and, and Bo can come in and, and give us a little perspective and make us laugh and, and again we're all out here for the enjoyment of the game and to give back to a game that was good to us and I think that's something that, that Bo really filled in and that's uh, you know the same thing that uh, my dad had kind of left his legacy with. Darcy, well said. Thanks so much for making time for us. All the best on Saturday as you get it going against Calgary. And I know we'll do this again during the season, man. Really appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, I really appreciate it. And uh, it's nice that you can get someone in there to make you look better looking on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. That is uh, Darcy Park <laughs> checking Darcy. in tonight, the, uh, the head coach of the Edmonton uh, Wildcats. Uh, so they're home, and uh, we'll do some Husky stuff uh, yeah, next, week sure. as, next week as they both get going. Maybe we'll do it on uh, Wednesday again. Yeah, that'd be great. Uh, you know, I, I'd be, I think it's 20 years. Uh, Darcy was drafted by the Edmonton Eskimos. Oh, geez. So I think it was 19, 1996 when he was drafted. Uh, I don't think he signed at all with the Eskimos. I have to kind of ask him about that. But I, he, I think he might have signed with Saskatchewan. Uh, but do you think he probably t- signed with Saskatchewan well, this year? Well, yeah, he's probably been in the <laughs> he's hotel. He's probably one of the 500 players that <laughs> they have. He's probably sitting in the hotel right now. <laughs> Never know. Comeback, he'll be with... You know, so you think, though, hey, where'd the time go? Yeah, no kidding. must be thinking that for sure. Back for some uh, final thoughts here with Kevin Carius. It's Inside Sports on Check.
This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chad. All right, so in a few minutes, Santo Condorelli is going to swim for Canada, 100-meter freestyle. He's the swimmer that uh, he and his dad give each other the finger before races. I don't know. <laughs> Sounds like you and Stoffer calling you a football game. Yeah, exactly. Game. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> uh, what do you got on uh, the old sports cast tonight? Well, we'll have uh, we'll Eskimos uh, Alouettes preview and uh, also that good initiative, the Eskimos, along with uh, Zenith uh, Equipment Manufacturer, get the uh, uh, football equipment up to Fort McMurray. And then we'll uh, check in. We've got some Golden Bears. I know you're going to touch on that too. So their training camp opens and we'll chat with Chris Morris and uh, update any Olympics. And I, maybe there could be another medal coming here. Who knows? And the Blue Jays up 7 nothing on the race in the bottom of the eighth. Kevin, we'll do this again next yeah. Wednesday. Thanks a lot, Reed. We'll see you next Wednesday. Kevin Carius from Global Television. Chris Morris, Jason Moss in the next hour of Inside Sports. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.